Episode number six of From Long Cover to Bustleton Ironman. I am your host, Bo Jones, founder of Bottle It, and today's episode will cover Sydney Marathon, the aftermath, planning out of an event, planning after an event, how you can do it, and back on the grind into training. But now, here's your introduction. There's no, there's no introduction. Please, please feel free to let me know how that gag is aging. It's um, yeah, yep, still not, still not there. As always, it is me talking down the camera and down the microphone for I don't know, fifteen minutes ish about my training progress plans, some mental health advice, and all things me in regards to getting myself to the start line at Bustleton Ironman. Now it was Sydney Marathon on the Sunday just gone. I spoke about it in lead up episodes. I probably introduced the event. I introduced the why of the event. I don't think I went into too much depth about how I was feeling for the event. I was optimistic and probably, if anything, in hindsight, hindsight's a beautiful thing, probably too overconfident. I was uh, I was pretty comfortable with our plan. I was comfortable with our, our a couple of long runs that we had prior to the event and how I pulled up after them, how I ran during. Nutrition's always something that I was okay with. And even with the weather advice being that it was going to be hot, I was still quietly confident that the run four minute walk three minutes would have put us in really good in a really good place to to get through the event pretty much okay like I still had work on Monday I didn't didn't even worry about taking the Monday off I was optimistic that everything was okay it was probably I'm not sure whether that was ego or false hope or what was I was distracting myself with a a few other things to kind of get me through that yes I have done a couple of Ironman in the past and you know regardless of the lack of three months running that I still should be able to get through it Okay, I was also super excited to be doing it with my mate Will Bigelow, who's setting himself up for a big 48-hour challenge at the end of the year for Bottle It. I really wanted to spend some time with him in the Hurt Locker and and see what he had under the hood, even though I know him really well. I just wanted to see. It's different, I think, when you're shoulder-to-shoulder with somebody going through something as big as a marathon, and it did live up to the hype of that was special for us. We um, The day was stupidly hot, and it was predicted that it was going to be hot. They put more aid stations out. They put... Ice out. They had, um, they, they they made every precaution they could to make make it as safe as possible, and it it was fairly safe through the event. Even though the numbers of people that did didn't finish, or the the number of people that did go to the hospital, I, I think the event team put together. You know, you, you can't chill the sun down. It's something like that. So, like, I think it was up to the individual to monitor that. But the event organisers did enough. They copped enough flack on social media and the news reports about what they did. They don't need me jumping on it but yeah I was as I said there was more aid stations if everyone ran within themselves they would have been okay I was somebody who did need the paramedics weren't called but the uh the police officers that were nearby definitely come over to say good day so I was going well this is one of those things that we planned everything to a T we had everything was going well and I've taken some great comfort in knowing that the wheels fell off around the same time for me as they did for a few other people so basically the marathon was going well we we stuck to our plan we wanted to run for about 4k's from the start comfortably without pushing our heart rate too much so myself and will ran a comfortable 4k's got got into the city and then we started getting into our our routine and our repetition of four minutes on three minutes off and this on off actually set us up nicely for i was still doing some content updates for the uh, bottle at instagram in those breaks i was able to identify the half hour markers for my gels that was every half an hour smack a gel have a bite of a bit of a cliff bar a bit of a solid and that was my nutrition plan, and we were able to stay on top of that. So as we kind of come through the city for the first time, past all the people up Oxford Street into Centennial Park, they had this really cruel double-back section where we went out, back, out, back on 
onto each other. And that was, I know it was one of those really, it was kind of hard. It was one of those monotonous feet over feet thing. And you, it was kind of cool though at the same time, because you could see across, you could almost see across to the, the, the guys that were quick and you could kind of figure out where you were in the herd. And we had a really good chance to have a look at to see who was in front of us. And by that stage of the race, it was it been the 21K mark. And we had a really good first half. We're overtaking people, the same people that went past us really early, really ambitious. That The plan was starting to come into fruition. We're still ahead of the six-minute 15 pace marker, which was probably 30 seconds too quick as an average on the Ks, but we were still run walking. Everything was working well until we went into Centennial Park, and by God, anybody who ran the marathon said the same thing. Centennial Park was just ridiculously hot. Being a low point, I don't, know if that, I don't even know if that's accurate. It feels like a low point. definitely feels like a low point in winter. But summer must be the same. It just held heat, very little wind. The trees, um, you know, stopping any slot, any chance of breeze and around the outer side. But in, in the middle, you were directly in the sun. So it was it was hot. It was like a weird loop you did in the park, like you kind of went back on yourself over and over again. It was just putting K's in. I just kind of kept reminding ourselves that like, I just wanted to get out of the park. Like just get out of the, let's just get out of the park. So we got out of the park. Had my first hiccup on one of the run efforts where I had to kind of. Tell Bigsy to slow down. He was starting to. He was just starting to come good. Um, he was still pushing, and I was like, "Hang on, hold up two seconds." Then we got out. We got our recovery on, and kind of had a little bit more to eat, and then we went to go again. And I was like, "I, I was like, yeah, let's go, Bigsy." Every time we had to do a session, he's like, "Yep, we love it." He was really positive affirmations the whole the whole time, and this time he was like, "Yep, yeah, let's go, let's go." Two hundred meters into the run, I was like, "No, I'm not going." And the same thing, he hit me back with the. No, mate, let's go. Let's go. This is what we, you know, this is what we train for. This is what we want. We want to keep going. And you know, when it hurts, let's go, mate. You've still got more. You've still got more. And I was a, <clears throat> I was a flat out. No, no, I needed to, to sit down for a bit. So I made my way to the side of the path and kind of had a sit down. Um, as I sat down, I kind of saw stars a little bit and I lost some color in my face and had some volunteers come over and help me and volunteers come over to help. And I also had Big Z help me. He's obviously one of the lifeguards. Uh, down at Bondi, and I, was, I took some comfort in that. But definitely, at one stage, I was I was pretty close to uh, lights out, um, passing out. I was I felt immensely lightheaded, and kind of just needed to take a moment to sit and sip some water, and and kind of let everything process through. One of the volunteers had a chocolate bar, which I swear to God's the best chocolate bar I've ever eaten. As soon as I had some chocolate back on board, I kind of sat upright, and I was starting to get a little bit of a little bit of my colour back, and. You know, I could talk again and everything was kind of okay. I, I, I processed the sugar pretty quickly and was able to stand back up and get moving again. Started walking. I felt really bad for Will. This is something that was part of his training brand. Bigsy, he he obviously we made the, the pledge to kind of stay together and start to get a finish together. And he definitely still had running left in the legs and I, I didn't. So as much as I was encouraging him to go on without me and, you know, I'll, I'll meet you at the finish line. I'm, I was okay to walk. He, he, he was quite stubborn and he's his protest to, to stay with me and even kind of got in my ear a little bit and encouraged a few trots, you know, when I could or if it was a downhill or when I was feeling better. And I was able to get a few hundred meters here and there as a bit of a bit of a canter. Um, but definitely the running or the run walking never never kind of resumed. We also had big shout out to Elliot Frawley. He's uh, a guy I've known for a long time from East Rugby Club. He appeared shortly after the um shortly after I'd had my little sit down. He had two ice packs like in a snap seal bag and a big 1.25 litre bottle of water. And 
I swore he he must have seen me collapse, but he had no idea what had just happened, and he just had the ice and water just to be a good mate. And I put the ice under the hat and the other ice pack down the down the back of my neck, and it, it, it helped immensely. It was like that he was dead set an angel. Oh, I can't I can't think of any other description. He came out of nowhere through the crowd with supplies to help, and then I was like, mate, I just need a power. I just need something with some sugar and some electrolytes in it. And he ran off and come back with a one point two five liter Powerade and. I sipped on that for as as long as I could, and it definitely got the legs back under me. So, yeah, big shout out to Papa Frawls. That 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 that's that gonna stay with me a long time. That that simple deed and just helping helping someone out when they needed it. It, it was really special, and yeah, they're the kind of moments and the kind of opportunities that only I think endurance events like that can provide. It was the support from the other competitors and the volunteers was was absolutely immense, and kind of hit we hit the finish line and um, absolutely buckled and made the made the made the decision pretty quickly to have the Monday off work, knowing that I was still not 100%. I went to the medical tent and they, they tested my sugar based on the fact that I obviously did have the low sugar. My sugar levels were high after the chocolate, which we kind of had to keep an eye on. It's one of those finish lines that were was bittersweet. I was stoked to be finished my first marathon. Finishing at the Opera House next to the Harbour Bridge was, was truly special, but it was also one of those moments that, once again, it didn't feel like a... Um, it was a special it was special to finish with Bigsy, but it didn't feel like a celebration. Like It didn't feel like a sigh of relief or it wasn't that excitement of, of getting in under, uh, you know, sub five hours or anything like that. So it definitely was a finish, and I was stoked to have my first one of the belt, but it's something that it, it's uh, processing after it leads us into our next topic and, and planning out of an event... They're definitely, that wasn't a failure. I really don't like using the word failure. A failure, I, I kind of, I knew this was going to come back and like it was one of those things that if I didn't get on top of it and address some issues early and change the way I spoke about the event, that's one of those things that could have, you know, built a little bit of, uh, not weakness, but kind of definitely um, impact my mindset towards Bustleton Ironman. Obviously, there's a marathon component at the end of the Ironman and not being able to finish a, a marathon what are we, 10 weeks out from busting an Ironman, knowing that a third of an Ironman is a, is a marathon would be something that could play some tricks with the mind. So I made sure really quickly afterwards on, on the Sunday night that I, I actually I made an effort to sit down with the journal and write down all the things that, I, that all the positive moments that happened in the marathon and all of the things that I was proud of. So there were two things there, the positive and the proud. Found some positive in the event, found positive in people, but the things that I was proud of are the ones that kind of that have helped me get through this week because obviously after even after the run, I was full of endorphins. I was, I was in a great mood. I was happy I'd finished the marathon. I was looking at the photos. I was laughing, looking at videos and the messages and, and phone calls. But 48 hours later, when all of that has, has left and you're left with this sore body, like the, you know, 120 kilos, I think it was something like 50,000 steps with 120 kilos. Like you're going to, the body was sore. The body was bashed. And if there was a little bit of weakness in the mind, especially with the physical pain, it was going to be amplified and it was going to, it was going to hurt more. So I did really, really make it quite clear that I was going to be proud of some things. And those things were the 36 uh, kilometers prior to the sugar crash, which obviously looking back on it, I didn't get enough glucose in. I didn't get enough gels in. I've got to revisit that. I probably have to speak to the chapo, the nutritionist, and find out what happened and why and how I can avoid that for Boston, knowing that Boston is going to be hot. I was proud that we had a plan and we stuck to the plan. There was very little information prior to the marathon as to what we could actually do. And the four-minute, three-minute plan worked to perfection. It was obviously 
you know, I reckon with another couple of weeks, I still I would have been able to finish it with that run walk technique. It was it was great, and it's one of one of those things I said it before. If you're new to running or you're finding running is hurting you or your joints, definitely run walk. It's the best kept secret I feel in the in the running game. It's something that I'll be preaching for the rest of my life for the rest of my running career. I, I it's so valuable for your knees and your ankles to to break up that impact of running with just a little walk. And again. No one cares. It's, a, it's an ego thing that stops us from walking, and I think you need to park park that for the sake of your own running and performance. That was pretty much it. I, I think the 36Ks, I was mindful that, you know, 36Ks, the weight was another thing. I'm proud that I did that with that weight. So knowing that I'm going, hopefully by the time I get to Perth, I'll be, you know, 10 kilos down, it'll be, it'll be immensely easier. So just, just trying to find some positives and some things to take some pride in out of the event. So when, you know, your head starts telling you, you're too big or you're unfit or if you can't go, you know, five hours, how are you going to go 12 hours, um, 13 hours? Like making sure I had responses for my head noise. It was the mental health advice out of this one. So there are times when you are you know your head's going to work against you. So I think if you can take some initiative when you're feeling good, when you've got those endorphins or when you're aware it's coming, actually sit down, physically write them down. I, I know that you can tell yourself in your head over and over again, but when that tide changes and your head's starting to tell you the worst, it's really hard to remember that or to go back to that. Whereas if you have a physical hard copy of it, it becomes real. It's a document. It's something that you can draw great strength from. So definitely take pen to paper and do that with everything. If something's, if you're proud of something, write down what you're proud of. Have a physical copy, physical copy of it. Read it as often as you need. There's great strength in that. That was my planning out of the event. I knew it was going to crash. The one thing I've promised... I've promised to be real and I've promised to, to tell you that when things are going great, um, it's really easy to jump on here and tell you things are going great and to celebrate and to, to, to do great things. It hasn't, it hasn't been that way the last, the last couple of days, the last, the last week. It's been one of those, uh, being unable to train. I had, I tapered into the marathon. Like I, I went easy on the training. That wasn't, that wasn't much fun. I was starting to get my grind on. I think I kind of got into the habit of not training and I, it's a bit harder now, especially with sore legs to get in. The one thing that caught me off guard that I didn't prepare for, I had all the preparation in the world for the marathon and nutrition and prior experience. The one thing that I haven't been prepared for and the one thing that's hurting the most is not having my mum to call. Now, if you listen to the first episode, you'll know that my mum passed away shortly before Cairns Half Ironman and it wasn't a great prep and something that I never took into account. Mum wasn't Mum was super supportive, amazing supportive, but we never really had a close relationship based on endurance events. It was, it was a foreign concept to it, the idea of going to do that stuff. She loved hearing about it, but it confused her as to why I would go and do that. And I think I love that confusion because it did make me feel like an Iron Man. It made me feel great that I was doing this stuff that was confusing people and they couldn't get their head around it. And I'd ring, she'd ring me after the events to ask how they went or how, how they were. And she had no idea like the scale of what I'd do or she just knew how long it took and she'd listen and, and ask questions and she'd be amazed. And I love being a 38-year-old male, 37-year-old male and, you know, explaining things to mum and having her excited about my development or, or process. And, you know, between running the marathon and not having her call and then having two corporate presentations that both went really well, it's something that she supported immensely. And not being able to ring her and tell her about that has got me questioning uh, Bustleton motivation. It has raised some flags with, you know, if that's such a such a kick in the guts that when you finish the finish line, your mind goes to, I can't ring her. Like I just want to ring my mum and tell her how I went. What's the 
what's what's your why? What's the purpose? Like, what's the why? Why does the finish line at Busso? Why do you have to go do it? Like, unfortunately, Ali and Duke won't be over to, to Buston. We've got an absolute slam December already, and it's not financially viable for them to come over. So it does. The question gets louder that you know, who's going to be at that finish line? What's going to be there? So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that planning out of the event and and all of these things, you know, I definitely had a a strategy for this. I had no strategy for being how know how to cope with with that thought or that process. That's one of the ones that kind of come out come out sideways, and unfortunately, that's one something that you know when it comes to mental health and mindset that as prepared as you think you can be, there are going to be curveballs. So I probably did plan out of that. That was one of those cool things that it allowed me some headspace to um, to process that. If I was worrying about physical performance or how I was going to run a marathon after an Ironman or if I was debating that at the same time as processing the emotional toll of not having a mum to ring, I would have been in a far bigger hole. So they're definitely not undoing anything I just said. It allowed me a headspace to focus on one thing and work out a strategy behind uh, what, how I'm going to handle that. And that's obviously, now that I know it's there, I can start rearranging some goalposts and, and changing my, you know, of mum, the phone call of mum wasn't a, a large part of my why when I'm training, when I'm doing anything, but obviously it, it's played a big part on my emotional toll or one of the reasons why I enjoy finishing things. So I'll definitely reevaluate that and put a process in place that, you know, I don't think it's going to make it any easier, but it helps knowing that when I do finish now, I'm going to be aware of, of what's to follow. So, um, yeah, that that was one of the one of the weird curveballs, and like I said, I told you that I'd share it. So, you're going to get everything. So we are moving on. We are back on the grind. I gave myself a couple of days off. I gave myself off. I mean, I physically probably couldn't have run if I tried. Everything hurt so much. I've got blisters on my toes. Uh, hips hips really hurt I didn't expect that but so I had 48 hours off Monday Tuesday were off I went for a swim Tuesday morning with the all sorts jumped back on the exercise bike yesterday for an hour just zone two rolled the legs over which helped so much so much to get the legs turning over and then this morning I was back training did extras in the park before our all sorts session and was able to get the heart rate up able to push the legs and the legs felt good so genuinely back on the grind I'll try to get a swim in this afternoon and move into a big, big weekend of training again. I've episode number, what episode was this? Episode number two was how to bulletproof planning. I've had to go back to bulletproof planning to make sure that it works. So I've sat down with my calendar and I've figured out my training calendar and what days. And I've realized that if I swap Saturdays for Fridays, I've um, Fridays, I work from work from home, do a lot of emails, but it only takes up two hours. So I can kind of do my two hours work then get out the door and do my long ride before Ali and Duke are home. So I can do my bigger, harder, longer session on a day where it's not impacting any commitments I have around the house, as opposed to doing on a sad day, missing out on Duke's soccer, missing out on time with Ali. So yeah, that was one of those planning things where I'm like finding ways to have it not impact my family. And just because everyone else trains sad day doesn't mean I have to train sad day. And it's allowed some, like I said, bulletproof planning. So once I've got my training plan down, I then carry it over and put it beside the calendar to see what events we have on. Okay, well, this weekend we're going to be in Maitland. This weekend we're going to be, um, we've got this event on or these people are coming down to visit. So how can I change this around? And what we've found is Thursday mornings, I can stay on the bike for longer and not get Duke to school. Ali can do that. And that, that means I can do a longer ride on a Thursday. So just having that 
I think bit of ability to change your plan to make it better for your whole environment is is unreal. That's the finishing takeaway and my excitement from the day. When you talk about getting excited to train, I'm excited to change days around. I'm excited to explore a few new days, a few new rides, obviously, um, with those like with the, that days change. But that is the excitement, and, and like I said, back on the grind. We have Noosa, Noosa in six weeks, Busso in ten. So Noosa is going to be. An unreal little mini holiday doing that with the Kids Foundation and the all sorts up there. So I'll be able to get up there. I've also bought a new bike. More on that next week. And I'll share some advice on bikes and what you should look for. From a beginner's point of view, definitely not from an advanced point of view. But that is the episode. Sorry if it got a little bit rambly. Sorry for the mics. But uh, it is it is what it is. I promise next week the mics will be fully charged, be ready to go. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a, an insight into Sydney Marathon that went off the rails and wasn't probably wasn't the race recap you're expecting or hopefully you find some strength in it's somewhere in that time. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time. Happy training.